It's time to stop working out and start working in. You found the Work In Podcast for fitness and their health-conscious clients. This podcast is for resilient wellness professionals who want to expand their professional credibility, shake off stress, and thrive in a burnout-proof career with conversations on the fitness industry, movement, nutrition, sleep, mindset, nervous system health, yoga, business, and so much more. I'm your host, Erica Thomas. I'm a resilience coach and fitpreneur offering an authentic, actionable, realistic approach to personal and professional balance for coaches in any format. The Work In is brought to you by Savage Grace Coaching, bringing resilience through movement, action, and accountability. Private sessions, small groups, and corporate presentations are available now. Visit savagegracecoaching.com to schedule a call and get all the details. Hi there, everyone, and welcome back to The Work In. People are wired for connection. It's an evolutionary survival mechanism, innate in even the most introverted of us. And it's repeated from our cultural community and tribal tendencies all the way down to a cellular level in the body. Connection in the context of health and wellness can look like mindfulness practices, building self-awareness through meditation and journaling, setting healthy boundaries, improving work-life balance, strengthening relationships with family and friends, getting involved in your community, building your own communication and leadership skills, and tapping into hobbies and activities that bring you joy. And on the surface, those might not seem as critical to your health as getting your blood pressure under control or lowering your cholesterol and losing weight. But it's precisely because those things are critical that we need to acknowledge the influence that our connection to ourselves and our community has on those more measurable health outcomes. Today, we're discussing the internal and external connections that matter when we're making changes to our health. The fact is that all of those things, all of those connections can either make life in our body easier or harder. And they do that, of course, through our nervous system and our system network. We talked a little bit about that last week, about how it isn't always good to play it safe and how trying to stay safe all the time can actually keep us in this hypervigilant state. And when there's not enough resistance, we start to seek it out. Maybe that's taking on a fitness challenge, like deciding to run a marathon Maybe it looks like picking a fight with a significant other. Maybe it's asking for more money at work. Maybe starting a business or adopting two puppies from the same litter at the same time. Yes, I do not recommend that one. (laughs) But people often need a little bit of friction in order to grow and get better at anything. Life isn't supposed to be easy. But on the other hand, it's not supposed to be a big suffer fest either. 
There is a happy medium, a line that we can wobble along like a weeble wobble between challenge and success. And that's true with our physical health too. Because we are wired for connection, we can tap into our internal self-awareness and external community to help retrain our nervous system, to take the pressure off our body's network and allow it to give us whatever healing and health results we are looking for. So just for illustration today, let's take a really common goal in health and wellness, like weight loss, and talk about how to use connection to help us reach our goals. It's easy to start here because, of course, with weight, you can measure it and you can see results. That's why so many people pick this one first. But before we get started, I want to just say say here that when we're talking about goals in general, we're talking about a very linear process. Anytime we set a goal, it feels very linear. And in my experience with things related to the human body and all its systems, these things are way more complex than the simple one plus one equals two kind of expectations that we have when we are setting health goals. So we need to keep that in mind. That's one of the first connections we can make actually. Most of us, though, at one time or another, have wanted to lose weight. Modern medicine and wellness has convinced us that there is such a thing as a healthy weight, and there's all kinds of charts out there to prove it. Now, I agree with that, that there is probably a healthy weight for each of us. But I think that all those charts are far too general to be helpful for long-term. Short-term, however, they're a good place to start. So let's say that you want to lose some amount of weight. So what are the internal connections that matter than we, when we want to lose weight? The first one is energy. And I always start here. If you've never stopped to pay attention to how your energy ebbs and flows through the day, now's a good time to notice it. Everything affects it. And it's sometimes something that we ignore, actually quite often. And the assumption here is that being tired throughout the day is quote unquote normal. But we need to remember that common is not necessarily normal. So here's some questions to ask yourself about this internal connection of energy. Do you wake up feeling well-rested? Do you drag yourself out of bed with the alarm? Do you require caffeine? What is your energy like without caffeine? Do you need a boost in the afternoon? Do you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep at night? Do you feel like taking a nap after you eat? 
The answers to these questions can help direct your attention to certain areas that affect your weight, specifically hydration and blood sugar. Now, both of these things play a role in how the body uses food for fuel. If our energy level isn't great, we need to ask ourselves, why? Because the body looks at food as fuel and stores it as fat. So fat cells are basically stored energy. And that begs the question, if we're feeling tired, how can we get the body to release that stored energy for us to use? The answers to that question are many. The important thing here is that we start to become aware of that connection to our energy. The second connection that we need to start to make and become aware of is resilience. Now, this this number on the list, this connection that we're trying to make is sort of about our stress response, but it's more about how you handle challenges. What are your personal adaptations to stress? Now, a challenge could be positive or negative. The fact is things that our body sees as alarming might just be our normal day-to-day life. And sometimes we put ourselves in situations on a regular basis that we like, that we enjoy, but that the body needs to find extra resources for, because for the body, it feels alarming. That doesn't make it wrong. It just means that it's something that we need to be aware of. So remember what I talked about earlier about how sometimes we need a little more friction, right? And that's exactly what this is. So sometimes we are choosing these challenges for fun. So we're not bored or something. And that's totally okay, but we need to be aware of that connection to our nervous system response um, and respond accordingly, because there are also things that we don't appreciate in our experience, like a toxic day-to-day work environment that keeps us on edge all the time, or maybe our home life or relationships are uh, in conflict and we live with that every single day. The, the idea here is that stress by itself is not good or bad. There's no judgment on the stressor itself as far as the body is concerned. It's how we learn to adapt to that challenge or any challenge or a particular stressful situation that sometimes becomes the issue. The body and the brain will make physiologic adaptations to our experience, our experiences, just like we are making mental and emotional adaptations to those things. And then we begin to assume that these are innate parts of our personality. For example, our temper or road rage 
or perhaps we're someone who um, tends to withdraw and avoid conflict, or maybe we're someone who finds comfort in food where we eat our feelings, or it could be the exact opposite of that, where under stress, our appetite completely goes away and we stop taking in nutrition and nourishing ourselves. So here's some questions to consider along these lines to help us understand that our connection to resilience. How do you view work-life challenges? How do you respond to conflict? How do you let off steam? What kinds of activities feel like recovery to you? Do you view exercise as punishment or reward? How do you handle unexpected events that you can't control? Now, there are no wrong answers here, and you might think of other questions as you go through these. One of the resources that I really like and have has been really helpful for me personally was the book Growing the Positive Mind by Michael Larkin, I believe is the author. And it's a really quick read. It's a short book. Um, and it talks about how to use your personal strengths, no matter what the situation is. And even if it's something totally out of your comfort zone or something that you don't like, how to use those strengths and practice controlling that emotional response to those experiences. I use the concepts that I learned in that book to be more mentally and emotionally flexible. And that makes all the difference when navigating all kinds of stress from all kinds of sources. So I highly recommend that as a resource. Now, physically, this connection is really important. This internal connection is really important because we can get every single thing right with our diet and exercise and even keep all of those calories in range, but the body won't drop any weight because weight and fat stores are for emergencies. And if the nervous system is alarmed in some way, then the body thinks it's an emergency situation. So of course, it's not going to let go of those things. It's trying to help you survive. So let's start to look at some of these external connections that might be able to help calm that alarm a little bit. The first one is support. Now, most of us have at least one relationship with another person, a friend or family member, and, and many of us have many of those connections. But if we're going to if we're going to reach any particular goal, we're definitely going to need some support, especially if this is a big change for us. If not support outright, then at the very least, we need people around us who aren't going to actively sabotage our efforts. There is nothing harder than trying to diet in a household with a pantry full of chips and chocolate where nobody else is changing anything. 
No one else wants to have to cook two or three separate meals at dinner time. Sure, you can do it, but it's typically not sustainable long-term. So the question is, how will you address this? Think about how you socialize. We tend to underestimate the influence our social circle has on us. And this is where you might need to take a little extra time to think this through, maybe get some coaching and definitely sort of pre-plan some communication skills for various um, experiences, for various moments in time. So here's some things to think about that may be helpful. Questions to answer. Who will I recruit to help me make these health changes? What do I need to change in my physical environment to make these changes easier? What social boundaries will I need to set for myself? And are these boundaries sustainable long-term? What am I willing to do or change in the short term? And how will that affect my support people or will it? Will I need to change my social circle? That sometimes happens. How will I respond to social pressure in the moment? Now, anyone can do anything for a limited amount of time. That's especially true of dieting and exercise programs. And that's why so many of those are successful and why they fail. Because it's unrealistic to expect people to simply retreat for 6 to 12 weeks to reach some arbitrary weight loss goal, and then at the end, go back to exactly the way they were living before. We don't want healthy habits to be so restrictive that you cannot live your life. And while you might need to change some of the habits from your previous lifestyle, we're really looking to make the kind of habit change and behavior change that will expand your experience rather than restricting it. After all, the whole point of getting healthier is so that you can go and do and be more than you are right now. Physically, the support of another person or a group of people can help your body recover. It can calm the nervous system and in turn allow the body to work more efficiently so that you can get those amazing results that you're looking for. Being in a community of any kind can be safety because we are not alone Support makes things easier on the body. We don't want to have to fight ourselves all the time, and we definitely don't want to be fighting other people all the time. And then finally, this next piece of external connection is purpose. And this one is a little bit of an overlap between the internal and external. This one, purpose, addresses the question of 
why. Why do you want to make these changes? Now, you probably have a lot of little whys. Most of us do. I want to look better. I want to be X number of pounds, or I want to be this size for that event. I want to get faster. I want to be able to hike that trail, or I want six-pack abs or cut shoulders or whatever. Those are small process goals, actually, that people confuse for purpose. Purpose is actually much bigger. It is the big why. And it is something that will outweigh every single excuse that your brain can manufacture at any given moment in any given situation that you find yourself in. It has to be powerful. It has to be personal to you. Typically, purpose can come in two different flavors when it comes to health and wellness. Fear and love. Fear is something like, I want to lose weight because diabetes runs in my family and I don't want that for myself. It might also look like, I want to lose weight because my numbers at my last checkup were scary and my doctor said, if I don't lose weight, I'll be on medication for the rest of my life. Those are purposes that are based in fear. Love is something like, I want to lose weight because I want to be able to get down on the floor and play with my grandbabies. Love might also look like, I want to lose weight because it's time for me to put myself first. Both of those are purposes based on love. But usually a purpose is some combination of those two. And I don't think one is any necessarily better than the other, as long as it's a powerful purpose for you. And we can expect that that purpose may change over time as we start to see some of these results. Results are big motivators, of course, but when we give ourselves a big purpose, then the specific results don't matter quite as much. And what that means is that when we hit plateaus, as we will, especially if we have big goals that we want to hit, when we hit those plateaus over time, they won't throw us off track. If we slip up, we can get right back on track again. And we can learn and adapt as we go to create lasting, lifelong health and wellness changes. And it might just be my opinion here, but ultimately that's really the point of making all of these connections, isn't it? Lifelong health and wellness. So that wraps up our Cat 5 Challenge series. And you can still download your five category tracker and find the show notes for this episode and the other episodes related to the Cat 5 Challenge at savagegracecoaching.com forward slash the work in. 
And we have got a brand new series coming up with Colleen Jorgensen. She's going to be coming back to talk to us about um, the body and the nervous system, several different topics along those lines, but we're going to be splitting those conversations between um, our, our topics and then following that up with some practical application for instructors and fit pros. I'm super excited about this series. So stay tuned for that. And of course, thanks for listening. And I will see you next time on the work in.